Today on this Easter Sunday edition of the Travel Guys. In the travel news, we'll fill you in on some of the national parks, which will require reservations to enter this summer. And airfares are falling and rising at the same time. Those stories and more next in the news. Tipping. It's everywhere. Screens asking you if you want to tip 10, 15, 20 percent, even more to people who wouldn't normally you would no, wouldn't normally tip at all. What's a traveler to do? Well, let's talk about tipping and try to make you a little smarter traveler at 320. Richard Lewis has been heading up the music circus and Broadway shows in Sacramento for as long as I can remember. He joins us at 335 to tell us the story of how his father started the music circus in 1951 and much more. All the way up to the beautiful new venues that we have today for both the music circus and traveling Broadway shows. Richard Lewis, Sacramento Theater Story. What an honor to talk to him. Thank you for joining us on a special day here on The Travel Guys. On the road again, I've been everywhere, man. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Happy Easter to, uh, to one and all. Thanks for uh, coming along. we got a fun show with us today. Thanks to uh, Caitlin, our producer. we got all the pieces ready to go, and I uh, hope you are, too. Mark, how you be? Here comes Peter Cottontail, hopping down the... Well, Caitlin didn't want to hear the Easter Bunny song, you know, before the show started, so I felt obligated to, you know, especially since I can't really sing. Uh, Happy Easter to everybody out there. I hope that all of your Easter wishes have come true. Your Tom, did you say the Easter ham goes in the oven after the show is over? After, yeah, after the show. We're going to have a have a late Easter Sunday uh, dinner by... My uh, my oldest daughter, or youngest daughter rather, she uh, she got work on Easter Sunday. She's a manager at a rather popular little restaurant here in town that will go unnamed, Cafe Bernardo's, and will uh, will probably be very busy, a busy place for Easter Sunday, uh, only rivaled by uh, Mother's Day, I would imagine. Yeah, so yeah, very true. so so how 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 have you been, and what's new with Sports Leisure that I need to know? I've been good. There are a bunch of cars sitting in the parking lot here are all folks who went uh, on an Easter Sunday brunch up into the uh, foothills up at Ironstone Vineyard, something oh, yeah. that we do every year. So we have a whole busload of folks who have headed up there on what is arguably the nicest day of the year. Um, earlier yeah. in the week, there was some talk about rain on Easter Sunday, but that turned around and not only is it not raining, but... Uh, I didn't wear a jacket when I left the house this morning, which is the first time I can say that all year long. Um, the left the back door open here for a while. Uh, it's just, gosh, it's a gorgeous day. So um, I hope that everybody is getting out. It sounds from the traffic report there that everybody is definitely getting out. Um, yeah, so yeah. drive drive carefully here. Easter Sunday is no time to be sitting on the side of the road uh, as part of a minor accident or something worse than that. So be careful yeah. about driving around. For sure. And uh, here we go, the, the, the start of the allergy season, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, and the allergy, if, if you're a person who has, when I was a kid, I used to really have bad allergies, kind of outgrew most of them. 
But we have a couple people in our office who, yeah, if you have allergies, this is going to be the season from hell because everything in its uncle is going to be blooming at three times its regular rate. It would be best to just maybe stay inside in the closet with the mask. The masks may be back. Absolutely. They they have more than one purpose. Exactly. That's for sure. Well, as we always do at the uh, top of uh, every Travel Guys radio program, we spend some time bringing you up to date on the travel news. And with today's travel news, as always, Mr. Markoff. National parks around the country, they used to be free to get in, and you used to be able to just drive up in your car or just show up, and you could get in for certain. Well, national parks have become a lot more popular, and during COVID, they were incredibly popular because people were looking for places where they could not be so close to other people. Ironically, the parks turned out to be the place where you found all the people. Um, That has continued over post-COVID, and many national parks are now requiring reservations to get in this summer. Our friends at Travel Pulse remind me in a news release this week that the list of parks that require reservation is growing. Um, and if you're going, Yosemite is not one of those requiring a reservation, but oftentimes the entry at Yosemite will back up for and the delay to get into the park will be considerable, like as in considerable as in multiple hours. So if you're going to Yosemite, I suggest that you uh, position yourself someplace where you can get into the park early in the morning if you're not staying there. Or if you're going from Sacramento, make sure that you go really early in the morning so that you can make that three-and-a-half-hour drive to Yosemite and get there still before anybody in the valley has woken up and gotten up there. Anyway, national parks that require reservations this spring and summer, there are a number of them. You can find a link to them at travelguysradio.com but some of the more popular ones glacier national park in montana arches uh, in in utah along with some of the other utah parks color uh, rocky mountain national park in colorado which ironically used to be a, a park that most people overlooked but not so much anymore um, plus the things that make parks beautiful all of this extra weather especially with parks in the west are going to be a little extra special nice this year because there will be more greenery in the fall. There will be more foliage, etc. So everywhere from Acadia National Park in Maine um, all the way to some of the Utah parks, there are many of them that require an, a, uh, a reservation to enter now. And also entry fees have gone up. So it's not uncommon now to see entry fees of 25 to $35 per vehicle to get into national parks. They generally are not taking cash anymore. So if you're going to a national park, make sure that you have done your homework. Gosh, how, time, how often do we say that on this program? Do your homework and make sure you know whether or not you need a reservation, also what it's going to cost to get in and how they are, whether they're accepting cash. Many concessions, I'm reminded by this press release now in national parks, are not accepting cash. So if you are somebody who does not have a credit card, perhaps a debit card would be a good thing to have with you. If you're headed into a national park, you'd hate to get there and find out that Yosemite's only gas station didn't accept cash and you didn't have enough gas to get back down out of the valley, out of Yosemite Valley and down into the Sacramento Valley. Anyways, um, a heads up. If you're headed to national parks this summer, you want to make sure that you're informed about whether or not you need a reservation to get in. I mentioned in the headlines that airfares are going up and down and all over the place, all over the country. Um, those of us in the travel business who buy air tickets for other people 
had hoped, particularly for in my case for groups, had hoped that airfares would be lower this summer than last year. In some instances, that is the case. If you are flying into a fairly common city that has an abundance of service, let's say Phoenix or Kansas City or Denver, which is a big hub airport, uh, someplace that has a lot of service coming and going, even if they're not a hub for an airline, you're likely to find very competitive fares. If you're flying into a secondary or tertiary city that has more limited service or is only served by one airline, grab your ankles because the airfare is going to cost you a small fortune. So in some cases, we're seeing airfares come down. We're even seeing some first-class fares that, um, at the you know, at the those empty first-class seats used to go to the airline's frequent travelers. The airlines have now figured out that when it gets to be five days beforehand and they have a bunch of seats empty in first class, if they drop the fare to only be twice what the coach fare is, sometimes they can sell some of those seats. I'm not sure what they do to the people who have already paid a big price for them, but that's another issue for the airlines to worry about. But nonetheless, um, some airfares are going up and some down. So if you're chasing a rainbow somewhere and going to a popular vacation destination and shopping for the summer – um, yeah, kind of grab your ankles because it's, it's not going to be pretty. But if you're going to, a, like I said, a secondary city, a Dallas, a Kansas City, uh, a, a Miami, even some of them might be considered vacation spots but just have a lot of service in and out, those fares have come down some and are holding a little bit more steady. But, boy, if you have a summer vacation planned and you haven't at least looked at the airfares yet – uh, United has a deal where you can hold the fare for three, five, or uh, three, seven, or fourteen days by paying a small fee. You find a fare that you really like, and you're like, eh, "I'm not really sure." Might be worth your while to invest those few dollars and hold that good fare uh, for a week or two. At least you have access for it if you need it. But um, try to make you a little smarter traveler and have a little bit better, a little more money left in your wallet when you're done buying your airline ticket. So do your homework. Take a look at something, if, at the fairs, if you're thinking of doing something this summer. Speaking of something this summer, if, you need a, if you're going out of the country and you need a passport, now is the time to file for that passport. Um, we're seeing waits of between 15 and 18 weeks to get passports renewed, or what some places are reporting around the country. So uh, if you're somebody who wants to travel early in the summer, dare I say you're going to have to take some some alternate measures, but even if you're looking to travel in the fall, apply for your passport now so you don't have to sweat it for the last minute. There are some ways to get a passport at the very last minute. Um, You will see a place saying contact us if you have urgent travel. Travelguysradio.com, we have a link to the passport, U.S. passport agencies, and also you'll see that information about urgent travel there if you're somebody who needs to travel sometime soon. Well, there you go. You heard it first. No, yeah. you didn't. You heard it several times right here on the Travel Guys. The early bird gets the worm and the late bird stays home is pretty much what it's going to come down to. And what if you had a group of six or eight people who were depending on you? You know, maybe you're the guy who bought the tickets or you made the hotel reservations or you're kind of the in-charge person and suddenly you don't have a passport. So if you're if you're within the sound of my voice 
and you need to get your passport renewed because you're going to travel this year, know that it can't be done in 20 minutes without a great deal of money and effort. United Airlines has added some new routes. They are going to fly to more than 100 international cities this summer from different hub airports in the United States. United.com will tell you where. But uh, a lot of international service that's been gone since 2019 is being restored. So that would be a sign, I can tell you, uh, from our experiences at Sports Leisure Vacations, international travel right now. Domestic travel is still hot. International travel is even hotter. We had a story for you. I guess it's been, Tom, probably, what, six months ago since we had the folks from Visalia on? About the... Uh, Yeah, probably. uh, Maybe a little less, but uh, yeah. Yeah. About the autism-friendly travel options they were creating for folks in the Visalia area and how they had won an award for it. Legoland Mm -hmm. is building up its autism-friendly options by certifying its U.S. parks. They're going to give their employees some special training. Um, They're going to create guides for families with autistic children and make suggestions for places in the park that they can go where perhaps the kids will have a higher level of enjoyment. So good for them. Uh, Legoland doing something really significant, I think, here to try and make uh, their parks a little bit more friendly for kids with autism. And that, friends, is your travel news for today. Are you a Lego guy? Was I a Lego guy? Yeah, um, yeah. Did, 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 when, or were you? Or you were no. probably a no. No, I was. Sets. I was before that. Tinker I was toys. like a Lincoln Log and Tonka toys. Lincoln and, Log, okay. yeah, and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. All right, we are the Travel Guys, Mark and Tom, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Remember, as Mark said, you can uh, uh, get links to and information about passports and more right there at TravelGuysRadio.com. Let's talk tips, and not travel tips, but tipping. When should you? When should you not? The Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Make no mistake about it. We're live. Uncensored. <laughs> sure, we're, un- we're what uncensored. What prompted that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the stuff that comes out of my mouth, I, I don't know. All right, let's talk, about, uh, let's talk about not travel tips, which, by the way, we provide quite a few here. And during the week, we produce a travel tip that runs on KFVK multiple times. So by the end of the week... You will be smarter traveler, at least uh, in one category. All right, Mark, uh, where are we going? Uh, you, you travel a lot. Uh, I do. And uh, do you think that based on, let's say, this year compared to five years ago, has your tipping uh, habits changed? They have some in, in, in two ways. One one good and 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 one one related to what I'm talking about here, and one not related but worth worthy of talking about. Um, we saw this during COVID. You know, the tip screens started popping up on in fast food restaurants at different places where we hadn't seen them before, and a lot of us were like, "Well, you know, these people make ten bucks an hour, and they're only working twenty hours instead of thirty, or thirty hours instead of forty, and they're trying to, you know." take care of their family or get through school or, you know, I mean, whatever. It was kind of like we're all in this together. At least that's the way I felt about it. And so I was more inclined to tip people that I hadn't perhaps tipped before or be a little bit more generous in normal tipping situations. Now I find, though, I I just spent, um, you know, we we were live from Honolulu last week. I I was with a group there until I got back on uh, Wednesday night. And 
uh, because of the nature, the group had some great meals, but I didn't get to participate in all of them because I was running around doing other things and taking care of things. So, you know, I was popping in and out of places and grabbing food where I could. And it was just incredible that everywhere I went, there was a tip screen. And I'm like, seriously? You picked up wrapped food off of a countertop. You put it in a bag. You turned around and handed it to me and told me how much I owe you. And I'm using a credit card to pay for it. And, you know, I – and I would just want to say I'm I'm not cheap when it comes to tips. I mean, I you've heard me talk about tipping housekeepers in mm-hmm. hotels. And there are people on both sides of that argument. But I'm a person who firmly believes that they don't make a lot of money and – they deserve to be tipped, and I'm sure right now there are uh, fast f- food workers and quick service food workers and people like that who are tearing their hair out listening to this, saying, "You know, I'm going to get that SOB because, you know, part of my wages are, are tips." I understand that, but I just it's there are a lot of us who are generous who feel this has gotten out of hand, and I my sense is that we're going to be less generous, and so if if you all don't lighten up on us a little bit, then we might become permanently less generous, and that wouldn't be good for any of you. So it, it's it's really – don't you think, Tom, that it's it's kind of gotten to be – I mean, you don't travel as much as I do, but you're out on the street and stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I agree. Uh, and when I travel, uh, I probably tip more there than, than most places. I do tra- uh, tip housekeeping, uh, places where I get uh, service that somebody actually had to do something to, you know, provide me with uh, whatever service I was after, whether it's bringing my, bringing me my meal or, or something else. Uh, you know, one thing is, Mark, and I, I think maybe sometimes we we kind of overlook it. The tip screens are, are, I don't think we're designed to try to drag more money out of you initially. The tip screens were a convenient way for people paying with a card to be able to tip. Uh, prior to that, you'd pull out cash. Uh, you, you have a few extra dollars. You could put it into a tip jar and so forth. Uh, but, but because a lot of things have gone to all card, no cash whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only way they can probably get a tip uh, with a card purchase is to have a tip screen. Yeah, so now right. you have a tip screen, and 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 unintentionally, uh, it looks like they're forcing it on you because there's the tip screen. It's staring you in the face. No tip. I saw one the other day. Uh, it, the lowest tip was eighteen. Wow. It was like 18, 20, and 25. So so are you telling me it's okay to not feel guilty about hitting the no-trip screen and spinning the thing back around to the person that, that they can't I, see? Somebody said who works in one of those places told me if you hit the no-tip button, no matter what button you hit, the person on the other side, when they spin it back around, they don't see what you've done. But then my argument I, was, well, mm-hmm. but then they're going to see the final total, and it's going to tell them whether there was a tip there. So it's not that hard to figure out. Right, if they're even paying attention. You know, I mean, you're at a fast food place. Uh, you're an event center uh, where, you know, like at the Golden One, uh, you go to a Kings game. I mean, you're that screen is being flipped around back and forth. Those people that are serving, they're not even paying attention to what the amounts are. They, they key in the proper amount for what it is that you bought. Uh, they flip it around. You hit a few buttons. They flip it around. Uh, the thing says approved, and they're done, and they're on to somebody else. So, no, I don't believe you should start. You should be guilted in to, uh, 
tipping because of a tip screen. I don't care whether you're traveling or or any place else. You should, you know, it's it's a personal choice. If you feel that uh, somebody just putting something in a bag and handing it to you is worth a 10% or 20% tip, uh, then, then that's your decision. But I don't think you should do it because you feel somebody's going to see it or whatever. Uh, and it's true. You're right. A lot of times when you tip, you want the person to know you, you have really good service at a fine restaurant uh, and you put down, uh, you know, two or three $20 bills. You want them to know it. Um, one other, I mentioned that there were two parts of tipping here. One is what I, I jokingly tell my travelers when we're out, I'm out with them is a little graft goes a long way. Um, sometimes slipping a 10 or a 20 into the pocket of the right person can really make a huge difference. Um, tipping the guy who's manning the parking when the bus is pulling up and saying, hey, you know, we, we need to unload here for a couple minutes. Here's 10 bucks. Look the other way. And the guy says, no problem. And then, of course, the bus has to come back and pick the people up. So what I've bought is not just one 10-minute you know, thing is I, I, I'll come back and pay you again. I have an old friend who used to he used to get on a cruise ship back in the day. It's been a while now. But he used to take a $100 bill, tear it in half, and give half of it to the cabin steward. And he would say, at the end of the cruise, if you do a good job, I'm going to give you the other half of this. Um, and, he, and, and he regularly <laughs> did. But point being, there are some places where you can slip somebody a few bucks, especially if you're a tour director, and make a, and make a little headway. So there are some places where – Tipping and unusual, and I love the $10 Starbucks cards. I use those pretty liberally with people that you wouldn't normally slip gratuities to. So that's something to think about if you're a traveler. Grab a few of those and take them with you. Joining us today is uh, a man who I would say, if you if you follow the theater in Sacramento, you would probably say, wow, that guy's been around forever. Um, so icon is kind of the word I would I would use. Our guest is Richard Lewis, the president and CEO of Broadway Sacramento. Richard, welcome to the Travel Guys. Well, thank you, uh, Mark and Tom. It's uh, it's always great to be with you guys and, you know, and ha- and chat for a bit. Well, this is this is kind of the entertainment side of the of the travel and entertainment guys. Um you are making a pretty big career move here, Richard. Um it, it coming up very soon here. Um I want to just ask you um uh, before we get to that how did this all start with, with not with Broadway Sacramento, but how did it all start with Richard Lewis? I know that you started with, with uh, Broadway Sacramento as a full-time employee in the early 80s, but um, how did Richard Lewis get into the theater? How did that become your passion? The uh, music circus started in 1951, and uh, that was Russell Lewis and Howard Young, his partner. And so summer of 1951... And the first show that we did was Showboat. And uh, my father uh, uh, was uh, casting, uh, you know, auditioning. And there was a woman, Evelyn Bell, uh, who was cast uh, to do the summer season. And uh, then in the uh, fall of 1951, he married her. And so in the summer of 1952, uh, my first time on stage uh, was as a fetus. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, then, then I was actually born in, in uh, November of 1952. Uh, but that's that's how I started. And uh, I think my, my, my first uh, my first kind of gig was uh, uh, I helped to t- as a five year old. I helped test the uh, uh, rigging system to fly the children in Peter Pan 
That was uh, for 1957. And in cool. 1966, I was a yeah, I was I was a workhouse boy in Oliver, and that's where we discovered that uh, I can only carry a tune in a briefcase. In uh, yeah, 1967, I sold souvenir books, and then 1969, when the tent moved from literally at 15th and H to 15th and G, I began work as a production assistant. And so I was, uh, I got to put up the tent, and uh, it was actually quite physical. Uh, the physical activity now is something I avoid. Uh, but I, I did that, actually. I put the darn tent up for a whole bunch of years. Uh, I was, again, production assistant in 69 and 70. Uh, 1971, I, I get to be in the Navy for a while. Uh, 72, I was in the box office. Uh, 73, I was assistant stage manager. Got my union card. Uh, 76, I became the uh, stage manager and lighting designer. Uh, 1980, I became a general manager. Uh, 83, I finally had a year-round gig, which was actually, that was terrific since I had a wife and a child. And, uh, and I became an associate producer. And, you know, and then things went from there. We we, we relocated. <clears throat> I, I've lived in Sacramento every summer of my life, <clears throat> excuse me, except for 1971, because then I was on a ship. And uh, But otherwise, uh, Sacramento, every summer, once we figured out that, the, uh, that there, was, there were really two audiences in Sacramento, uh, one audience wanted to go to the music circus and did not want to go to the community center theater for the touring shows that we were doing. And uh, then there was the audience that wanted to go to the touring shows and did not want to go to the music circus. Interesting. So, okay, fine. You know, when you've got two audiences, what do you do? You play to them. Mm -hmm. And so uh, 89-90 was our first formal, really, Broadway on tour season. Uh, We had done several shows uh, prior to that, but now it's formalized as a season. And so uh, uh, me and the wife and the kids uh, relocated to Sacramento on a year-round basis in, uh, in 1990. Let me stop you just for a second there. Comment on the fact that, so yours is a theater family. Your father was involved, so come. And, and then I was going to ask you, did you ever want to be on the stage instead of the person behind the stage or announcing the show? And, of course, you kind of answered that by saying that you... You know, couldn't really carry a tune, but the but the family has been in the. You're a theater family. It's sort of in your blood. Oh, there's no question. In fact, my mother, uh, back when there were there was such a thing called the Little Rascals, she actually auditioned and was cast to be in the Little Rascals until they found out that she was uh, only five years old, and apparently there was some kind of an age restriction back in 1920 something or other. Wow. And, uh, yeah, so she's, she's, she was in it forever and ever. And so was my father. And, uh, so yeah, it's, it's been a showbiz family. My, my wife, uh, 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 we used to, she's retired now, but she used to be a dance teacher and she was a longtime employee of Broadway Sacramento in our education department. And, uh, of my three children, uh, all three of them, uh, grew up working at the music circus, learning what it means to show up on time and do your job. And uh, 
my, my two oldest kids went on to uh, 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 much better careers because uh, anything's better than show business. <laughs> uh, my, my youngest, at age 33, is in fact involved. He is a member of uh, a Stagehands Local 50, and he's what's called a, a rigger. And in fact, he's actually working in our music circus shop right now, building scenery for the upcoming summer season. Uh, because he's got a certain skill set as a welder. Richard, let me jump in here. By the way, for, for our listeners that are just joining us, uh, you're listening to the Travel and Entertainment Guys, our special guest, Richard Lewis, President CEO of the Sacramento Broadway uh, Music Circus and all that is uh, music in, in in theater here in Sacramento. Richard, you, you talk about being around uh, Broadway and, and with your folks and the things that you've learned. What's your takeaway in regards to things that uh, have made you a, a person or part of your personality, a part of your DNA as a result of being involved uh, in, in the kind of upbringing around the music circus and Broadway and such here in Sacramento. You mentioned show up on time, and work hard, do your job. What else? You know, I, I got to tell you, uh, uh, Tom. Is it is it was it was it about being connected to the theater, or was it about uh, working for my father? And I would say it's it's a bit of both. Actually, probably primarily working for my father. I saw how much he cared about the process, about the theater, about the audience about the employees. I had a terrific firsthand example of this is what it means to be a solid, uh, uh, hardworking president of a company. And so I, you know, I don't know that I deliberately was going to follow his example, but the fact is it was embedded. And, you know, the, the discipline and the work ethic that's involved in, in music circus until we built the pavilion uh, the music circus, it was, you know, a 2,500-seat theater in the round under a big canvas tent, and you put it together every summer, and then you took it apart at the end of the summer. And that's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And you had to be careful. So following orders, which I'm actually very good at, just ask my wife, <laughs> is, uh, you know, you, you, you do as you're told and work hard because – there's deadlines attached to everything. Richard, I mentioned that I wanted to ask you, first of all, a, a little bit about how we got these two beautiful new buildings. Uh, you talked a lot about the tent, which I'm sure was a lot of sweat putting it up. There was some sweat probably inside the tent during the summer and a lot of sweat taking it down. And also, I want to ask you about some of your favorite shows. So first, let's talk for a minute about the venues. Well, I have to say uh, the city and county of Sacramento are directly responsible for enabling the uh, creation of the uh, what is now the UC Davis Health Pavilion. We were able to uh, work together with our partners, city and the county, and uh, and we created, I think, a wonderful new venue uh, in the pavilion, which you know at this point is now whatever twenty two years old, and uh, and it's 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 still a very exciting place to be. Plus, it's air-conditioned, has real theater seats, no more tent poles, and I got a lot of ladies' toilets. That's a big deal. Plumbing is is a big deal. 
It's it's funny you mention that, Richard, because as someone who is in the travel business, who frequently travels with with a group of people, and the group will will most of the time be 85 percent women, and so I completely understand when you talk about women's ladies' restrooms. There must have been a moment when that pavilion was was completed there that you walked in or you stood outside or there must have been a moment of reflection of how we got from the tent to the building. I will, I will tell you that I have that exact moment every time I go to the theater there, whether it's a dress rehearsal or just watching a, a rough run through or it's the opening night. I sit there and I, and, and I always sit in the same place, which is up there by the sound guy. Cause that's, that's where I sit. And I look up, and, you know, and, and, and I, I look at all the steel and the air conditioning ducts and all the cables and the this and the that. And I go, oh, we, we really built a heck of a place here. Yeah. And uh, so it, it's, I, I have a sense of accomplishment every time I walk into that building. That's cool. And, uh, and I, have, I have a similar uh, reaction to when we, uh, when, when we go to the Safe Credit Union Performing Arts Center. Because I will tell you, working on that transformation project, it really did begin at the turn of the century. I always find it bizarre to say, but we really, I really did. I was working, you know, not formally as a consultant, but the fact is is that Broadway on tour is the single biggest user of the theater. And, And I will tell you, I was. I was absolutely right there in the forefront going, okay, we need the expanded lobby, and I need the expanded ladies' restroom. Don't, I don't want to hear about same square footage for boys as for girls. Baloney. I need three times the space for the women, and really the guys can, will be just fine. And ultimately, that's what came to pass. That and the importance of acoustics. The engineer... Uh, hired by the architect was a genius and the wall surfaces in the safe credit union and i know this is not very exciting but this is exciting to me okay you know the the fact is we've got acoustics now because the old building yeah it had acoustics but they were developed in the greek theater from you know uh, 2000 bc (laughs) uh first of all and most important it is 100 percent ada acceptable We're talking with Richard Lewis, the president and CEO of Music Circus in Broadway, Sacramento, here on The Travel Guys. So let me shift gears with you before we run out of time here and ask you, tell us a story or two about a show, um, one that was hard to get, or, um, you know, what do you consider your greatest catch of, of all time or the biggest surprise with audiences? Tell us a little bit about a couple of the shows that have come to Sacramento and how it happened. Well, I will tell you. The, the largest show, and, and when I say largest, that has to do with the number of trucks it takes to haul the show. But the largest show we just did, Frozen, uh, Disney's Frozen, and that was a 23-truck beast. But, of course, getting Hamilton back in the September of 2021 to getting Hamilton to reopen the building, to reopen the theater industry here in Sacramento because we were all, everything was all shut down by COVID. And so that was us coming back online and, and getting Hamilton was, I mean, 
again, that was that was an amazing experience. Uh, the show came to us from San Francisco. It closed there, and then they they moved it to Sacramento, and uh, it was it was phenomenal. But I'll, certainly, I'll never forget getting Phantom of the Opera into the building back in 1997, and what it took to achieve that. Uh, again, that was a 20 truck monster. Uh, and and we had to deal with you know where you're going to hang the chandelier and bring in the structural engineers and you got to do this, you know I, I I think about these things you know logistics is a big part of of my life, and uh, but it was really that was I think the beginning of Sacramento is actually a major market in the touring Broadway world, and so Richard so now, tell me. Tell me, tell me what your what your your personal, if there is, if you can narrow it down, or one that really stands out, your personal favorite. I mean, it sounds like that there, Hamilton and and Phantom were great catches and and an amazing step forward for the theater community in our area. But forgetting that for a second, what was Richard's favorite? You know, uh, Les Misérables is uh, is is a is a longtime favorite of mine. I. I First in London back in I think '87, thereabouts, and uh, I, I, it's a it's a show that had me in tears by the intermission, uh, and, and then it had me in tears again during the entire second act. Uh, it, it's just a, a, a terrific piece of work, and I'm so happy we actually you know we're able to bring it back yet again <clears throat> coming up in November. Uh, we we did a great production of it in the round at the Music Circus back in uh, 2007, which was very exciting. You know, I remember that the Music Circus used to rely on a lot on uh, TV entertainers and, and, you know, names from, from daytime TV and stuff like that. Um, ever have anything, anybody that, you know, no you shows. thought was coming and at the last minute didn't show up? Well, it wasn't, it wasn't about that. It was about we discovered in uh, the, really the summer of 1991, we had a totally – typical star-driven season. And, uh, you know, so John Davidson and Music Man, okay, that worked all right. But Rich Little in Little Me, they stayed away in droves. Uh, <laughs> Donna McKechnie in Sweet Charity, a show that my father swore we would never do at the Music Circus. But, you know, we did it. And Donna McKechnie, and and again, they, just, they didn't care. Uh, we had... Uh, in, in the boyfriend, uh, 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 it's a, a, a diver, Olympic diver. Greg Luganus. Yes, Greg Luganus. Thank you, Greg Luganus and his Great Danes. And, uh, and he was starring in the boyfriend, but that didn't matter to anybody. It was a, it was a, a summer of, I think. And when we got to the end of it, I, th- I think it was uh, Howard Young that said, "Another summer like that, we're done." And so, okay. So the fall yeah. of 92, yeah, the fall of 91, we, we, we got our act together and we started doing, we did audience uh, surveys and this and that, and we discovered that, you know, really what you guys need to do is just bring us good, solid Broadway talent. We don't need these stars. Richard, before we wrap this up here, I wanted to give you an opportunity. If you have anything that you would like to say to the listeners, um, they're probably are more than a handful of people listening to this today who have been lifetime supporters of what you have done. This has been your lifetime 
mission here in Sacramento, and you're going to wind down now um, slowly as they find a replacement for you and and uh, uh, your responsibilities become less. But is there anything that you would like to share with the listeners here? It's been a, a terrific experience. I've had a great deal of fun. Uh, I, I believe I, I've been an employee. I edited up uh, for 55 different summers, and you know, and I'm 70 years old now. Uh, you know, the uh, the great news for me is uh, I've got three kids and two grandkids, and everybody lives in Sacramento, which is unusual. Nice. Uh, like I said, I'm not going anywhere. And the good news is that the company will be in good hands with Scott Clear, our producing artistic director, taking over as president and CEO on July 1. So continuity is critical. It's an institution, and it must continue, and it will. There you go. Sacramento's music man, Richard Lewis. Thank you for joining us today on The Travel Guys, Richard. Don't you think, Tom? I mean, I think that's one of the best... I don't want to brag or anything, but I think that's one of the best interviews ever. And it doesn't have a whole lot to do with us. It's mostly what Richard had to say. Uh, that that uh, That is true. Every time we've had Richard on, he's always been a gem. Fun to listen to. He's uh, a lot of knowledge and, and a lot of stuff that folks can relate to. Mark, what was your favorite music circus show? Oh, um, the oh, – ah, it was just right on. The uh, Hunchback from Notre Dame. Uh, a couple of years ago, which was really a a stretch for them, uh, but I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was kind of like taking a chance. It wasn't necessarily a show that would maybe work in the round, but uh, I, I've seen so many good shows at Music Circus and at Broadway Sacramento that it really is uh, an important part of the community. And Richard's worked on it a long time and 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 worked really hard at it. So it's it's an honor to be able to give him a little bit of time to talk about some of the things that have happened um, over the years, and him talking about his dad putting up the uh, starting the music circus and him physically putting up the mm-hmm. tent. Um, I think is all you you kind of need to know to hold to know the beginning and the end of the story. Now, as he steps back a little bit at a time, um, you know that old, that old tent down there was. Uh, you know, he was one of the guys who put it up. Anyways, thank you all for being a part of a very special Easter program. If you're listening to it live or you caught it on the podcast, thank you very much for your loyalty to the Travel Guys. Remember to dance like nobody's watching. Happy Easter, my friends. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget now you can find us and uh, lots of smart stuff to make you a smarter traveler at TravelGuysRadio.com. See you next time.